Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Today we're going to take a break from looking at 1 Peter. We're going to go to the book of Exodus. Go to Genesis, turn right. Verses, chapters 35 and 36. I'm just going to call your attention to several verses from these two chapters, so keep your Bibles open. We've had a wonderful year at Southcrest. And I'm going to show you some slides in a little while that will indicate some of the blessings and some of the challenges that we have as a church. I've had the privilege of being your pastor a long time. My main concern for you is that you know Jesus as your Savior. And then, not only that you know him, that you're saved, but that you begin to grow in him. And folks, we're not supposed to stay babies in Jesus. You know that? Jesus didn't come to give us our fire insurance, uh, hell insurance, if you want to call it that. He, He came to give us a life and to make us more like him. We're to grow in him. And so that's my concern for you every week as we look at God's word. Because as you hear the word taught and proclaimed, you you understand it, you receive it, you apply it to your life, he begins to change your life. He saves you immediately, forgives you of your sin, but then he begins to grow you and to change you. Someone asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Today I want to talk about your heart. You know, your heart is an indicator of your love for the Lord. Now, when you're dating somebody and you love them, you say, I love you with all my heart. How do you love the Lord with all your heart? Well, when you follow him and you keep his commandments, you honor him with your life. But did you know there's another indicator that a lot of people are missing that indicates their heart's condition with the Lord, and that is with their giving. Giving. I'm not, I don't have an ulterior motive. I'm not asking you to give your money to me. You're not giving your money to me. I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, you sow a seed of faith and appeal to your selfishness and say, well, that sounds like a good deal. If I sow in the Lord's kingdom, then he's going to bless me a hundredfold. Well, I want to tell you, your blessings sometimes are not monetary. It's interesting. If anybody today has a criticism about the church, it's they always want your money. Well, unless you're a first-time guest, you know that's not what we're about. However, Jesus spoke more about money than he did hell and heaven. 
There's 500 verses in the New Testament about prayer. Just less than 500 verses about faith. 2,000 verses about possessions and money. 38 parables that Jesus taught while he was here on the earth. 16 of them about possessions. And when the Lord said, you know what? You can't serve God and money. You can't have two masters. Could it be that we have a heart problem? Now, I'm going to tell you, if you get angry with me today, it's not, you ain't got a problem with me. And I really don't care if you get angry with me today. I, I have a burden on my heart. These, these statistics just burden my heart for the simple reason that I know that people have a long way to go in their walk with Jesus. I really want you to grow in your walk with Jesus. So we're going to look at Exodus 35 and 36. What is the setting here? Children of Israel had just been set free from slavery. They didn't have anything except what God allowed them to take out of Egypt when he set them free. Nothing. And to top that off, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments, when he came down, what were the children of Israel doing? They had made a golden image and they were worshiping and having all kinds of sexual immorality going on around that. And and God could have easily just said, you know what, I've had it with you already and opened up the earth and swallowed all of them. But he didn't. He had mercy on them and grace. Just like he's had mercy and grace on you and me. And then in verse 35, excuse me, chapter 35 and 36, Moses calls them together. Look at verse 4. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Look at verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. The first thing I want you to notice is the preparation of the heart. The preparation of the heart. All the congregation, it says, whose heart and spirit was stirred. And obviously those words are used synonymously. And they mean the inner person, something on the inside was stirred in them. And the implication is that all the congregation was stirred, not just a few of them. All of them were. Now it says they left the presence of Moses and went to their tent. Can you imagine what some of the thoughts were? Are spoken in the tent. We don't know for sure. We've got to read between the lines a little bit. I'm sure there were a few of them that said, all Moses ever talks about is money. <laughs> but most of them probably said, you know what? God has done such miraculous things in our lives. He has delivered us from slavery in Egypt. Think of how God had delivered them. When is the last time you stopped and thought about what God's done for you? 
He has forgiven you of all your sin. He has delivered you from the bondage of sin, put you in the family of God, given you eternal life if, with heaven in him. God is, loves you. He knows your name. He takes care of you. Isn't God good? And so we need to stop and think, you know, God, you've been so good to me. Maybe they remembered how God miraculously provided for them the manna that they were given. They didn't even have to cook, ladies. This went out and ate every day. God fed them. And finally, they realized how God had marvelously blessed them as they looked around their tents. They realized they possessed nothing that God had not given them when they left Egypt. You and I need to understand something. You possess nothing that God hasn't allowed you to have. All good things come from God. All good things. And so you see them preparing their hearts. Now I want to give you a truth here to remember Giving shifts my focus from the temporary to the eternal. Being the great artist I am, I spent all week painting this beautiful work of art. Y'all just hurt my feelings. My mother didn't laugh at my artwork. <laughs> this is not any better than when I was five years old doing it. What, and, and by the way, we're going to auction this off at the end of the service, and all the money will go to the building fund. Okay. You're very fortunate that when I ran in there and did this this morning, I was able to give the semblance of a straight line. It's not perfectly straight, but at least you got the idea. And then you see this beautiful black dot. Right here. Can y'all see this? We're going to let this dot represent your life. This line represents eternity. And I want you to picture this line going out around the room, out the door, all the way to Dallas, all the way to the Mississippi River, all the way to New York City, all the way across the world and around the world and on out into space infinitely. God may have given you 60, 70, 80, 90 years. But compared to eternity, it's just a dot. And you know what? What you do with this dot, what you do with this dot determines your eternity. So if people don't respond to Jesus right here, there's no second chance. You have missed it for eternity, forever, no end. But it also means that anything that I have here on the earth, you can break down into two categories, temporary and eternal. Everything I have here on this earth is a temporary trinket. You stop and think about it. Some of us have some pretty nice trinkets, don't we? I could hear a pin drop today on the carpet. It, it, you know, whenever you talk about giving, everybody gets locked jaw. It's all right. I expected it. 
temporary or eternity. Now, there's nothing wrong with having some nice things here on the earth. I'm not mocking that. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said that you don't lay up your treasure in the trinket area. You lay your treasure up in heaven. Because the only thing we have that's eternal on this earth are people and the word of God. Everything else is a trinket. This building is a trinket. Did you know that? This building, as beautiful as it is, it's not going to last forever. It's a trinket. It's temporary. But you know what? This building houses a treasure. It houses the people of God to worship God and to honor God. And so when we built this building, we didn't build it as an eternal treasure. We built it a trinket to hold the treasure. The people who've come in here and met Jesus Christ and their lives have been changed for eternity. So anytime you invest in eternal treasures... They're going to go on forever. And folks, people, people are eternal treasures. Amen? Now, it's getting close to being vacation season. Some of you probably have your vacation planned. Let's suppose, let's imagine that you're going someplace, let's say to the beach for two weeks. And you got a hotel room already reserved. And you get down there on that hotel room and you're thinking, I'm going to be here for two weeks. And the first thing you do when you walk in, you realize, I don't like the curtains in this place. So you spend a couple of grand, a couple of thousand dollars changing the curtains in it. I don't really like the paint and the carpet. So you change all the paint and the carpet. I don't really like the landscaping out in front of this hotel. So you call a landscape architect. You spend thousands of dollars fixing it. You get it just like you want it. Then you check out and go home. You know what that's called? Stupid. (laughs) Really. Now, there's nothing wrong with fixing your stuff here on this earth. But what I want you to understand is this. We spend all our time, all our time and our resources and our efforts beautifying the temporary. And one day we're checking out. We're going home. And when we get to heaven, believers will get to heaven, they're going to look back and go, what was I thinking? See, the truth here is that giving shifts my focus from the temporary to the eternal. This earth is a temporary residence. And I see so many people putting everything they have into this little dot. You know, the sad thing is, for some people, this little dot is as good as it will ever be because they refuse to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is all they have in eternity. Imagine this line running around the world. You see, our dot's not very big, even if God gives you 70, 80, 90 years. So your giving to the Lord reflects this kind of thinking. It's beyond me. I'm not selfish. I'm thinking beyond me. The second truth I want you to see, the next few verses talk about the participation of the heart. 
Verse 22, all those, excuse me, yeah, verse 22, though they came as many had a willing heart. In verse 21, it says everyone came. In verse 22, it says both men and women. Verse 27, the rulers came. In verse 29, the children of Israel brought. It's all people, rich, poor, smart, dumb, all that, all the people participated. Their hearts were stirred. They looked for ways to give, not excuses for ways to bypass it. Isn't it amazing how people today try to cut corners? I, I read of a man who was so tight, he put a picture of cheese in his mouth strap. He came back two days later, there was a picture of a mouse caught in it. But people are like that. You know, when, when, and, if, and if they ever, you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you with all my heart. There was a well-known citizen that was known for his stinginess. He got really sick, and he asked the pastor in the church to pray for him. He said, Pastor, I, I want you to know if I recover, I'm going to give $100,000 to the church. Amazingly, he made a comeback, full recovery. People prayed for him. I, God healed him. But he never did come through on his promise. So the pastor, several months later, went to visit him. He said, you remember the promise you made to all of us? You were going to give $100,000 to the church if you recovered. And, and he said, did I make that promise? The pastor said, yeah, you sure did. And he said, well, that just shows you how sick I really was. <laughs> if you'll take the time to notice that over 18 times you see the word all people, every person. And a project of this size didn't, it was bigger than any one person could do it. And so Moses said, the Lord has told us to build a tabernacle. I will come, the Lord's presence will be in this tabernacle and we are to, to build it and all people are going to give. And the truth is, here's another truth, giving breaks the grip of materialism on my life. Let's just face it, folks. In America, we are materialistic. We like our stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff. There's really not. I'm not knocking that. But when our grip is on it to the point that we say, well, Lord, I love you with all my heart, but you can't have any of my stuff, something's wrong. Because Jesus said, where your heart is, there's where your treasure is going to be, and you can't serve two masters. And so when I give eternally giving, it breaks the grip of materialism on my heart. The Lord wants your heart. And if you haven't given first place in your finances, he doesn't have your heart. Because there's nothing that gets to the heart of the matter more than money and, and possessions. Because, man, you want to make somebody mad, you just talk about money. Because I already know some of you are mad. It's all right. But I'm telling you the truth. And I've always been committed to telling you the truth. There's no ulterior motive here. Let me pause for a moment. I know we're not the children of Israel. I know we're not building a tabernacle. But the truth and the principles of loving God with all your heart and honoring him with your possessions is never changed. It's never changed. That's what tithing is. Tithing is giving 10%, at least 10%. And it's saying, Lord, all of this belongs to you anyway. I'm just a steward. I'm going to honor you 
with what I've, you've given me and I'm going to honor you to the point where it puts it out here. Because the ministries and the missions and the people's lives that are changed in the church, that's investment into the kingdom of God. This building was built for one purpose, for the people who are not here yet. For people to come in and hear the gospel. For people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you really love him enough to give him your heart and say, God, I'll give you what you want me to give to And finally, I want you to notice the priority of the heart. In verse 22, they came both men and women as many had a willing heart and they brought, and it starts to name all of the things that they brought. If you go to chapter 36 and look at verse 3, and they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen were doing stuff. And, they, and, they, and then verse 5, and they spoke to Moses and said, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed, don't bring any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. What an awesome thought. Now, I want you to think about this. These people had just been delivered from slavery. They didn't own anything. They didn't own anything. God told them, Of course, God sent the plagues on Egypt and and, uh, the deliverer, Moses, and they came out. And God told them, ask the Egyptians for for a lot of their money. And the Egyptians gave it to them. The Egyptians were glad to get rid of them. Look, we can't handle any more plagues. Just get rid of these people. And so now that they finally, they've been slaves all their lives. And now they finally have something. They finally have their hands on something. I have some gold. I have some spices. I've got some precious jewels and whatever they had. They had their hands on stuff. Can you imagine for the first time in their life they had something? Don't you think for a moment that they would have said, oh, I don't want to give up any of this. But the scripture says they gave so liberally and so generously And so joyfully that Moses had to say, okay, no more offerings. It's one of the few places in the Bible where people were told, all right, don't bring any more offering for the tabernacle. Someone has estimated the amount that was given at that time was somewhere probably between five and seven million dollars in our currency. You see, you don't give from the top of your purse or the top of your wallet. You give from the bottom of your heart. It's a heart issue. And when we place our contribution on the collection plate, we're not giving to the Lord. We're just taking our hands off of what already belongs to him. So here's another truth. Giving shows my heart and brings joy. Now, I'm going to give you five quick observations. First of all, they gave in response to the initiative of God. 
do you really think, do you really think God needed their stuff? <laughs> He'd already given them all the Egyptian stuff and he'd parted the Red Sea and God was feeding them manna from heaven. But he says, I want the people to be involved in building the tabernacle. I'm so glad that God allows us to be involved. I mean, let's face it, folks. Does God need any of us? No, he really doesn't. He loves us. He wants us to be part of his family. But does he have to have any of us? Mm -mm. But he lets you be part of it. I want to tell you something, church. There are not many congregations around this country and around the world that get to experience and be involved in and be touched the way God touches us here at this church. Not many places like this. And it's all of the Lord. The second thing, God used their stuff to build his tabernacle. Even though he didn't need this stuff, he chose to use it. The work of God on this earth, God has chosen to use his people to further his kingdom here on this earth. The little boy, when they fed the 5,000, the little boy was brought to Jesus. He had two fish and five loaves of bread. God didn't have to have that. He chose to use it. He could have used one fish and a piece of crust. If you want to think about it, he could have had the fish walk out of the Sea of Galilee right up there to him. But he chose to use what he had. You know why? Because it's an act of faith to give to God for him to use it and the only way to please God is by faith. So giving shows my faith in the Lord. My heart's in it. I trust you, Lord. I, I believe in you. I, I believe you can handle it. The third thing, everyone had something to contribute Verse 20 of chapter 35 says, all the congregation of Israel was interest, was involved in this. It lists all kinds of people. And I already mentioned them, the rulers, the women, the craftsmen. Everybody had a part because God was not after the resources of a few wealthy people. He was after the hearts of all his people. Did you hear that, folks? God's not after the resources of a few wealthy people. He wants the hearts of all his people. I'm burdened about this. Not because of the money. I'm burdened because it shows that people really aren't that committed to the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you some slides here, some figures. And, and let me preface it by saying this. I never, ever have looked at the finances of any church I've ever served. When I say that, I've never looked at the contribution records. That's what I'm talking about. So I don't know what you give. I only know what my wife and I give. And the God knows. So the figures you're about to see, I don't know who fits in what category. So you can just relax. 
I don't, I don't touch the finances here. We have people that handle that, and it's a high level of accountability, and, and, and you can rest assured that the money is put where it's supposed to be. But I want to tell you that some of the statistics are a little, one or two of them are encouraging a lot. Some of them are alarming to me. Let me show them to you. Let's start by showing that first slide. The number of active households at Southcrest. Now, I was going to round this up to 2,000, but I was afraid you'd accuse me of exaggeration. (laughs) Active. See the word active? It means, now, households means households, not people. If if you're single, you're the only one in your household. If you're married or two of you in your household, you've got children and so forth. These are households, and that means that by the best we can tell, they've come at least once a month. Even on Wednesday night, it counts. So we've done the best we can because... We don't, you know, we don't take names in here. We don't know. We've done the best we can. But we've got about 1,999 active households. Not on the roll. These people have at least darkened the door of this church within the last month. Now, I first want to show you the giving to our ministry budget, the, the ministries of the church and the budget that we have. Show the next slide. What I want you to see is that, uh, of course, you see the total amount, $5,200,000. That was the budget for January 1 to two, December 31, 2017. But notice the, the bottom three lines. The one that says, these are annual gifts, total for the year, zero to 500, 379 people, 379 households, 500 to 1,000, 145, 1,000 to 2,169. You see what I'm talking about. Notice down there it says 1,328 total givers. How many active families did I show you all ago? 1999. So that tells you that one third, 671 active households didn't give a penny to the Lord's work through Southcrest last year. Not only that, look at the bottom, the bottom three lines, 635 If you add up 121, 205, and 309 over here, this column next to the right one, 635 households gave 91.7% of the budget. One-third of our people gave 91% of the money. And then the other 693 gave 8.3%. So, I'm just amazed that we have over a third of the people that come that don't ever give anything to the Lord's work. See, you see why I'm burdened? I'm I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just burdened because it tells me that people's hearts, they're not growing in Christ. And folks, don't, don't tell me it's an economic issue because God knows the different seasons of our life. I'll show you that in just a second. Let me show you the next slide. Now we break it down by age. I want you to notice 
Look at the last line of the, to the far right where it says 25% and 53%. We have 78% of the budget, the ministry budget, was given by people over 55. 1,999 households, 78% given by people over the age of 55. You folks in the venue, you younger people, if this keeps on in 20 years, there won't be a South Crest. Now, that's just the ministry budget. I want you to know that all the buildings here on this property, not one penny's been paid for out of the budget. It's all been gifts above the tithe. And I commend this church and I commend the people who've gone before us that have died and gone before us for giving and, and providing these, these facilities for us that we are now enjoying them. So I want to show you what our building giving has looked like over the last few years. You'll notice Beginning in 2013, we started talking about building this structure. And in 2014, we had the greater campaign. It was a three-year commitment. We had a big first fruits offering. $2 million came in. 2015, another million, 118,000. 2016, look how it's going up. 2016, a million, 231,000. And then in 2017, a million three. It's gone up every year, which I think is encouraging. And I'm, I'm attributing that to some people growing and a lot of new members that have come in and say, you know, I won't be part of this now don't let 2018 scare you that's just the month of January okay <laughs> we don't have February in there that's just the month of January but then let me show you another slide this is how many families households are giving to the building 655 out of 1999 active households a third a third and those of you who have been giving the 655 thank you for doing that thank you for investing Thank you for providing a place for people to come and learn and, and hear God's word and to worship and all. And thank you for having vision beyond your own dot. Let's go back to your outline. Number four, you can't give what you don't have. Don't feel guilty about what you can't give. Now, not... I hesitate to use this example, but I'm just going to give it as a testimony. I'm not setting myself up as an example. I've been on the staff of a church since I was 18 years old. I'm 62. You do the math. 44 years, if my math's correct. All but two of the churches that I've ever served in all but two were in a building for Oak program. Some while I was in college. College students don't have much money. 
High schoolers don't have much money. I know that. I've been there. Believe it or not, I once was young enough to be in high school. I had the privilege of giving to the building fund, to the, to the thing that was, I never got to enjoy most of those buildings. But I wanted to participate. I wanted to be part of it. And did I have a lot of money? No, I didn't. But what I did have, I shared with the Lord and I sacrificed for the Lord and said, Lord, I want to be part of this. I know it's beyond me. I'm going to invest in it. There have been people saved in those buildings over the years that I know nothing about. But I got to be part of it. I know some of you are in high school. Some of you are in junior high. If you have any kind of income, you ought to learn now about tithing. And then not only that, but you ought to think about, you know, I'd like to be part of what God's doing at Southcrest. Some of you are retired. Some of you are on fixed income. Folks, it's not an economic issue. It's a heart issue. I just don't believe that you can't give something to the Lord. I, I, that's what breaks my heart is that when people don't give anything, I want to go, well, Lord, then they're not growing. I'm not doing my job or something's here because their heart's not in it. They love to come and they love all of the stuff, but their heart's not there. Only a third of our people, only a third give to greater. The last thing I want you to see, and I got a couple more slides and I'm going to be finished on time. And some of you are ready. I can tell by looking. They gave in response to grace. Let me tell you something. If you go back to chapter 34, God could have wiped them out. God showed them mercy and grace. Even the gifts they were giving in chapter 35 and 36 are a reminder of God's mercy since none of them had anything that God hadn't given them before they left out of slavery. And so the giving that we give to God is really out of what God has given us. I'm not telling you like those knuckleheads on television. You just sow a seed of faith into our ministry and God's going to bless you and get you out of debt. And I hope you're smarter than that. God doesn't play let's make a deal. He doesn't. I'm, I, if you see that in me today, you've misread everything I've said. This isn't let's make a deal. This is called let's honor the Lord and what he's done for us. And when the blessings come, when the blessings come, they're not always monetary. I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. If you're not tithing, you try tithing for 90 days, three months. And if you don't see how God doesn't take care of you and make it go as far as the 100%, you're unhappy about it, you come see us. We'll refund your tithe. I, I will. I'll refund it, or I'll have them refund it. Never had anybody do that. I don't know if they've tried it or not. But let's look at, let, just stay with me. I'm just about done. Look at some possibilities. Next slide. Okay, here's the assumption. 
The assumption that the current 655 households are going to continue to give, and I hope that you will. And if, they, if we continue to give at the rate we're giving, we'll have this building paid off in seven years, March 1st, 2025. But what if the other 1,344 people who don't give anything to greater gave up one of their Starbucks lattes a month or something? Four bucks, that's what I call it. It's not Starbucks, it's four bucks. What if you gave up one latte a month, $5? Look what happens. You drop, if, and, and, that's the, and the others are still giving. Well, we drop it down to September 1st, 2024. And if they gave $10 a month, what if you'd washed your car one time less? And I hate to do that to any car wash people. I'm just using that example. Maybe you drink two lattes. Give up two of them. You, you cut off a whole year, March 1st, 2024. And what if the other 1344 gave $25 a month? Or one movie night. You can't go to the movie with your girl or your wife. It better be your wife. Well, you know what I'm talking about. You can't go to the movie and buy popcorn for less than $25. You know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? What if you gave up one movie night and you gave $25 a month? You've cut two years off the payback on this building. And if somebody stepped up to $50 a month, one dinner out in a movie, we've cut three years off of it. But ladies and gentlemen, more than the money, I'm just giving you some examples. But more than the money, I just want people to be all in. I do. I want their heart to be here right now. There's a lot of people whose heart's not here. So it brings me to the last thing. Put that last slide up there. You see this greater card that's in your bulletin? Did you notice something different about it? Look at it. Do you see the place for your name? Do you see a place for your name? You don't, do you? So you're not going to put your name on it. It'll be between you and God. That's it. I think there's something about filling out something, though, that helps solidify my commitment. I don't have to do it. I'm going to continue to give. I've been given ever since I've been a member here. I've been given to the building fund and tithing or, or more. But, but that little box that says you can count on me to be part of what God is doing. I will commit to give over the next year, just 12 months. We're doing it a year at a time instead of three-year commitments. And if you would simply put down what you plan to do for the building, this is for the building, not the, not the budget. And just drop it in the communication card boxes or bring it back or mail it to it. You don't have to mail it to it. Somehow, folks, let us hear from you. Even if you're already giving, if you're this part of a 655, I'd still like to have one from you. I'm going to fill out one. To say, Lord, you can count on me. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555 888. 
You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.